This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper, and we begin with breaking news. The Dow is about to close momentarily. It has plunged around 2,000 points today after another sheer bloodletting on Wall Street. This was the second time this week that the so-called circuit breaker needed to be tripped. The Dow dropping so dramatically today that trading had to be halted for 15 minutes so as to prevent a free fall. CNN's Allison Kozik is at the New York Stock Exchange for us. And Allison, is this just the new normal until the world and the United States begin to emerge from this pandemic? Well, hopefully the circuit breaker kicking in for the second time this week. Hopefully that doesn't become the new normal. But these thousand point moves in the Dow, they certainly feel like the new normal, at least until investors become more confident that the Trump administration has a handle on the coronavirus crisis. And it's coronavirus fears that really drove the action today. That's as uh, these fears grow as we see the U.S. economy come to a screeching halt, whether it's conferences or cruises or NBA games. It's economic growth here that's on the line, and investors are trying to price uh, what a new landscape will look like when we have a pandemic and possibly a recession, at least in the short term. And you just heard the closing bell with the Dow down 2,300 points just in one day. Uh, Allison, President Trump earlier today said that the markets would be just fine. Um, Are his words of assurance uh, actually serving to calm any concerns over there? I would say no with an exclamation point. And an indication of that happened right after he finished his address to the nation last night on the coronavirus. We saw the overnight trade tumble more than 5%. That's when we knew we could be in trouble today. Uh, You know, investors were stunned that they didn't get more concrete details about any stimulus that can cushion the blow on the U.S. economy from uh, the coronavirus. Investors were also shocked about the ban from travel uh, from Europe to the U.S. The concern there is that it's going to slow down the U.S. economy even more because visitors on any given month bring in billions of dollars. Now, stocks did briefly, very briefly move off their lows today when the Federal Reserve announced it would pump $1 trillion of liquidity into the market to try to calm the market. But by the looks of things and with the Dow down over 2,000 points today, it looks like that didn't work. All right, Allison Kozik at the exchange for us today. Thank you so much. As of right now, 39 people in the United States have died from the coronavirus. More than 1,400 are confirmed infected. Now, we do not know the actual number of people in the U.S. who are infected because so few Americans have actually been tested. And that's because there are so few test kits actually available on the front lines and even fewer labs that are now able to process samples. President Trump continues to lie to the American people and say that testing is going smoothly. We have a very heavily tested. If an American's coming back or anybody's coming back with testing, we have a tremendous testing setup where people coming in have to be tested. That's not the case. People landing in the United States today are walking right through customs. They are not being tested for the coronavirus. Even those who are being stopped and check to see if they have a fever, what's called being screened, they're not being tested for the coronavirus either. The U.S. is woefully behind other countries testing, but don't take it from me. Here's President Trump's top health expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci. He's director since 1984 of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. Here he is talking today about the failures in testing in the United States. 
it is a failing. I mean, let's admit it. The okay. idea of anybody getting it easily the way people in other countries are doing it, we're not set up for that. Do I think we should be? Yes, but we're not. As CNN's Elizabeth Cohen now reports for us, despite continued assurances from the Trump White House that all is well when it comes to testing, all is decidedly not well. One of Hollywood's most famous couples, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, announcing they've tested positive for coronavirus. But that test wasn't done in the U.S. Instead, the pair are in Australia, where testing is free and easy to get, thanks to an early and coordinated response. A big difference from what we're seeing in the U.S. We're working hard to get testing available. Just compare the U.S. to South Korea. As of Wednesday, only 11,079 specimens have been tested in the U.S. That pales in comparison to the nearly 200,000 people tested in South Korea. And America's population is more than six times larger. Because of the test shortage in the U.S., not just anyone can get one. So coming into a physician's office and saying, I have upper respiratory symptoms, I want a uh, coronavirus test, that's not going to happen. At Massachusetts General Hospital, for example, following state rules, they're saying no to people under age 60 who have no underlying medical conditions if that person just has a runny nose and a sore throat. But they might say yes if that person has been in close contact with someone with coronavirus or recently traveled to China or other coronavirus hotspots. South Korea successfully ramped up its testing, even doing them at drive throughs like this one. An idea the CDC director says the U.S. is not planning to use right now. Are there any plans to have drive through testing in America so that we do not panic emergency rooms when people come in and cough? Not at this time. I think we're trying to maintain the relationship between individuals and their health care providers. So how does the U.S. plan to get many more Americans tested for coronavirus? They're leaning on two commercial test makers, LabCorp and Quest Diagnostics, that your doctor can order for you directly without going through a state lab. Ultimately, it's going to be the commercial laboratories that have the capacity to get tests all over the country. One of those commercial laboratories, Quest Diagnostics, telling CNN, we expect to be able to perform tens of thousands of tests a week within the next six weeks. CNN has contacted several large hospital systems, and they say they're not using these commercial tests right now, but they hope to very soon. That would lead to more testing, which would help public health officials get a better handle on containing the growing coronavirus outbreak. Now, here's something that helps explain the difference between the testing situation in South Korea and the U.S. The South Korea, like European countries and Canada, has universal single-payer insurance, and that means that it's easier to mobilize, and also people know what to do. There is pretty much one answer for how to get testing. The U.S. is a patchwork of countless different systems, and so you can't say, here's exactly the steps that every American should take in order to get tested. Jake? And the other thing, Elizabeth, of course, is uh, government officials keep saying uh, Americans should check in with their primary care physician. One quarter of the American people, according to a study by the journal in the Journal of American Medical Association, one quarter of the American people don't have a primary care physician. And Jake, I would bet that many primary care physicians, even if you have one, if you called them, they would say, gosh, I really don't know what to tell you. Elizabeth Cohen, thank you so much. Joining me now is New York Times correspondent Dr. Sherry Fink. Dr. Fink, thanks for joining us again. You've been following how early testing has failed in the U.S. for some time in, in many areas. The Trump administration continues to claim that access to testing is not an issue, The testing is going very smoothly. Fact check that for us. 
I mean, I'm hearing the same thing as Elizabeth is that there are many people, doctors, patients, people who want to get tested who just can't get those tested, those tests. And I've also heard about some, you know, innovative efforts. There are hospitals that are trying to get together who normally uh, don't cooperate uh, because they're competitors saying, can we set up something like what South Korea is doing and actually have some drive up tests because they don't want to be inundated with people coming in for those tests. Uh, the U.S. has tested only a fraction uh, of what other countries have been able to test. Uh, in the U.S., there's been a little more than 11,000 tests done. That does not include private lab testing, but it's the only numbers we have from the Centers for Disease Control. In the U.K., a country with a population about a fifth of the United States, they've tested more than 29,000. In South Korea, whose population is about one-sixth of our population, they've tested more than 200,000 people. Why is the U.S. so behind compared to other countries? We got behind for two reasons. One is that official CDC test when it got sent to the public health labs around the country. Uh, they couldn't validate it. They couldn't check if it worked. So they had to wait for weeks for new tests to come out. And then those private tests, those laboratory developed tests, are waiting for approval from the FDA. There's a whole process they have to go through. Now the FDA has loosened some of that, but we're still not seeing a big rollout of those tests. And those numbers you gave, the 11,000 for the U.S., those are just the samples. In fact, some of those samples, more than one sample came from a person. They might have been checked on a couple days. So the actual people who were tested, you could expect might be even fewer than that. Fewer than 11,000. Um, the NBA is obviously right. shut down for the season. The Utah Jazz just announced that they have tested 58 members of the team and traveling staff after two of their stars tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, this is uh, baffling to me. Because I've been reporting on first responders that can't get their tests checked in the lab. We've been reporting on in individuals in clusters like New Rochelle and Kirkland who have not been able to get tests. How are these NBA players all of a sudden able to get tests and results so quickly? I mean, that's a really interesting question. And we are seeing differences in different parts of the country. But here are those really um, disturbing things that come out when there's a shortage of something. Who gets it? Who doesn't get it? Does that, uh, you know, like what is allowing some people to get things and not others? We do need to think about fairness and those kinds of issues, especially one day, hopefully there will be a vaccine and we want it to be distribute, distributed fairly. So you want to think about the need to test. Um, there was a chance, of course, they were staying at a hotel, I understand. And you want to understand how many other people might be um, infected or exposed. So there could be a good reason for doing those tests. But certainly there's an importance in making that more widely available to the general public as well. Officials from the CDC and in the Trump White House, including Vice President Pence, have not been able to answer how many tests have actually been done so far uh, even though we have the number 11,000, we don't know how many people that is, and we don't uh, have the number that includes the private testing that's been done. Um, can you explain why testing is so important for the government and health officials to be able to, to wrap their, their arms around this crisis? Absolutely. And you can understand why the CDC doesn't have tabs on all of that. But it is important because we need a picture of what's going on in the country. That's really important. And so that individuals can take steps to protect themselves. So it's important for individuals to know, to understand their risk and for public health authorities to get a sense of whether 
the virus has established itself in the community. And so they can make those really tough decisions about when to disrupt society, when to tell people don't gather uh, in big gatherings, don't go to church, those very fundamental aspects of our society. It helps to have good information, to make those hard decisions. All right, Dr. Sherry Fink, thank you as always for your expertise. Appreciate it. Schools are closing. Pro sports leagues are suspending their seasons. A look at how life in America is changing in dramatic ways next. Then, why one country in Europe may provide a frightening preview of what might happen here in the United States. Stay with us. We're back and continuing, of course, with the health lead today. The deadly coronavirus pandemic is quickly transforming life in the United States. States and cities are banning events that would have drawn large crowds. The remainder of the NBA and now NHL seasons have been suspended. The Major League Baseball has delayed opening day and canceled spring training. And 1.3 million school students have been affected by school closures, according to Education Week. Plus, as CNN's Erica Hill reports for us now, One stark example of the societal disruption, a New York City suburb, New Rochelle, transformed into a containment zone. Up until 15 minutes ago, I thought everybody was going, you know, to Dublin tonight. Life screeching to a halt across the country as officials work to contain the spread of coronavirus. It's really stressful that this is happening. In New Rochelle, New York, the National Guard arriving in the nation's first containment zone as New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announces sweeping new restrictions. We're reducing the occupancy by 50 percent. No gatherings over 500 people, prompting Broadway to suspend performances for the next month. College campuses from coast to coast closed, entire school districts shutting their doors, impacting more than a million children across the country. I think for some it's going to be a bit of a challenge to keep kids home for two weeks. Parents scrambling as concern grows for food insecure children who rely on daily school meals. Hospitals preparing for a potential influx of patients. In Boston, Tufts Medical Center rescheduling non-urgent appointments and elective surgeries. The White House, the Capitol and the Pentagon suspending public tours and access as lawmakers begin to shutter their D.C. offices. Social distancing now the defining policy of this pandemic. Right now. We should be doing things that separate us as best as possible from people who might be infected. At Palm Beach International Airport, a JetBlue passenger from New York alerted airline officials after landing. He tested positive for the virus. He's now in isolation. Across the sports world, spectators gone from college and high school games. Basketball analyst Charles Barkley suggesting that's not enough. I think March Madness should be suspended. Now, let's get these players tested. If even one player on all these teams have this virus, this thing could really get out of hand. Late Wednesday, the NBA suspended the rest of its season after a Utah Jazz player tested positive for the coronavirus. The game tonight has been postponed. Thursday morning, the team announced a second confirmed case as other professional sports leagues began to announce their own suspensions. The cruise industry hit hard by both the coronavirus and criticism for how it was handled, Princess and Viking halting operations. Businesses continuing the push for employees to work from home. Yet for those who work in the now empty arenas and campuses, there's no such option, only uncertainty. 
And today in Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine announcing that starting Monday, all K through 12 schools in Ohio, public, private and charter will be closed, Jake, through April 3rd. These closings coming in fast and furiously. We're also learning that Live Nation and other live uh, entertainment promoters, including AEG and the talent agency Elite, they are suspending their events through the end of March as they also are working to to help in many ways contain the spread of this coronavirus. All right, Erica Hill and New Rochelle, thank you so much. And we have breaking news. The NCAA is indeed now canceling its men's and women's basketball tournaments over coronavirus fears. Just yesterday, the organization announced it would ban fans from attending games, only allowing essential staff and limiting family members to attend. Now the tournaments have been canceled entirely. Joining me now is Dr. Mark Gatreau, a director of pre-hospital care at Stanford University Emergency Medicine. Doctor, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, since Monday, the number of confirmed cases in the U.S. has doubled. The number of dead has increased from 26 to at least 39. We've seen massive disruption to our da- daily lives. Do you expect this, the spread of the disease and the increase in the number of fatalities to continue to grow exponentially as it has been? I think we, we are going to see an increase over the next several weeks. It's hard to say how much of an increase, um, but the measures we're putting in place to increase social isolation should help mitigate some of that. I'm going to list a few things, and if you could tell me if it's safe for most Americans to go to them. Obviously, people in uh, containment or cluster zones are, are not who we're talking about, people in Kirkland, Washington, or, or New Rochelle. But is it safe for the average American to go to a restaurant? You know, as uh, I did go to a restaurant last night, so uh, I have to say yes to that. Um, I think that uh, being very aware of surroundings and, uh, quite frankly, if somebody is symptomatic, they should certainly not be going out uh, to restaurants uh, or, you know, uh, potentially exposing themselves to others. But uh, in, in most communities at this time, I still think it is safe to go out to restaurants and supermarkets and, you know, make, you know making sure that they have the things that they need to continue living. What about the gym? Is it safe for people to go to the gym? Uh, hard to say, but uh, uh, in most cases, if uh, you know, I uh, do go to the gym sometimes. And uh, quite frankly, most people, as long as they're about six feet apart um, and are keeping the equipment clean, uh, that should be OK. What about uh, elevators? Is it OK to use elevators? I would be keeping a very close eye on the people around me. Uh, I would probably avoid elevators where uh, people are uh, coughing or sneezing or appear to be ill. What about public transportation? Again, it depends on uh, how big the crowds are and uh, how easy it is to increase the uh, distance between people, especially those who are coughing. It's really it's a disease that is spread by respiratory droplets, uh, coughing, sneezing, and then uh, trans, uh, you know, uh, transfer of those um, uh, droplets uh, from contact surfaces, uh, you know, to the uh, nose and mouth, uh, you know, which is why, you know, we're trying to get people to wash their hands so frequently. What do you think when you see the run on places like Costco where people are just stocking up for years on toilet paper? I mean, are people overreacting in those situations? I think that the stocking up on toilet paper is a considerable overreaction. Uh, I think that uh, if people want to stock up on something, it should probably be liquid soap. Soap is uh, an excellent way to uh, kill the virus. Um, And essentially just making sure they have food in the refrigerator. All right, Dr. Mark Atreau, thank you so much. Appreciate your time and your expertise. Thank you, sir. 
One of the people in this picture has tested positive for the coronavirus. President Trump's response to that fact is next. You're looking at an airport in Madrid, Spain right now. Travelers are rushing to leave parts of Europe today after President Trump's confusing address to the nation last night about coronavirus. In an apparent attempt to show leadership and offer some clarity, the president's message instead sent his administration scrambling to a degree. They were forced to correct two outright inaccurate statements the president made about his own policies, not to mention other confusing passages. Moreover, health experts say the president's address was inadequate in offering solutions for some of the biggest challenges the nation faces right now, such as failures in getting Americans tested for the virus or the lack of capacity at U.S. hospitals to deal with any surge in new patients. As CNN's Caitlin Collins reports for us now, the president seems to want to portray a sense of calm, but his words are having the opposite effect. The White House says President Trump still hasn't been tested for coronavirus, even though it just got much closer to him. After Trump hosted a dinner for the Brazilian president at Mar-a-Lago on Saturday night, the Brazilian press secretary has now tested positive for coronavirus. The White House says Trump had limited interaction with the senior aide, and there's no reason for him to be tested, despite a photo showing otherwise. For now, Trump says he's not worried. I'm, let's put it this way, I'm not concerned. My fellow Americans. After his primetime address created more chaos than calm, Trump caused more confusion about testing today. Frankly, the testing has been going very smooth. That's not true, according to Democrats. Democrats, Republicans, or even the president's own health advisors. Asked who's in charge of making sure tests are administered, the CDC director looked to Dr. Anthony Fauci for the answer today. My colleague is looking at me to answer that. Yes. It, it is a failing. I mean, let's admit it. The okay. idea of anybody getting it easily the way people in other countries are doing it we're not set up for that. Trump also confirmed that European leaders weren't informed before he announced he was restricting most travel from Europe to the U.S. for the next 30 days. We had to move quickly. I mean, when they raise taxes on us, they don't consult us. The president made that announcement in an Oval Office address in prime time last night. We will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. While the message was intended to show he was serious about coronavirus, the president left out major details. Less than an hour after he gave his address, the Department of Homeland Security clarified it didn't apply to American citizens or legal permanent residents. It was very, made very clear last night who is and who isn't. The White House was also forced to clarify that the restrictions wouldn't impact goods coming into the U.S. after Trump said they would. These prohibitions will not only apply to the tremendous amount of trade and cargo, but various other things as we get approval. After highlighting the risk of large crowds, the president has canceled multiple trips on his own schedule, including public appearances, fundraisers, and campaign events. And the question is, how many people will die? And I don't want people dying. Now, Jake, we should also note that the vice president, Mike Pence, was also at Mar-a-Lago over the weekend when the Brazilian president and his aide were there. He has also not been tested for coronavirus, though other officials who came into contact with the Brazilian officials say they are self-quarantining. People like Senator Rick Scott of Florida, they say they're doing that out of an abundance of caution. But right now, that is not the plan here at the White House for the president or the vice president. All right, let's hope they're all okay. Kaylin Collins, thanks so much. Um, let's chat about all this. So in terms of the last, last night's address, the president said, one, 
all travel from Europe to the U.S. was suspended. That's not true. The U.K. is exempt. Uh, some others are as well. Uh, he also did not mention that U.S. citizens were excluded from the travel restrictions, as well as permanent residents, family members. He also did not mention the suspension includes those around the world who recently had been in Europe. They're also included in the ban. And he also said that the restrictions included in trade and cargo, and that's not true. And this was a speech on teleprompter that was supposed to reassure the world. It's extraordinary because it's so simple to just list what you are going to do in a factual manner and tell the American public what they can expect. And that speech did not accomplish that. In fact, uh, it did quite the opposite. It caused all of this confusion at airports all around the world, uh, people trying to buy last-minute flights so that they don't get locked out of the United States. Uh, because if you listen to the president's speech, you would be under the impression that after Friday, you you would not be allowed back. Be stranded. You'd yeah. be stranded somewhere. So it's a real problem, um, just from a rhetorical perspective, that the president can't uh, seem to get his message clear. But I think underlying it is just a lack of preparedness on this administration's part uh, to do some things that they should have done, frankly, months ago to get hospitals and communities prepared to to get ready to do the massive amounts of testing that they would need to do, that we are now in a position where they are trying to do it at the last second when the, the uh, when the virus has already spread across the country. And it's no longer an issue of whether it is uh, coming from outside of the United States' borders. It's spreading right here. It isn't here. Uh, and, and Jackie, President Trump today insisting the testing is going smoothly. Everything's fine. Take a listen. We have a very heavily tested. If an American's coming back or anybody's coming back with testing, we have a tremendous testing setup where people coming in have to be tested. We're not putting them on planes if they're if it shows positive. But if they are, if they do come here, they have to we're quarantined. Now, it's true that some people are being screened at airports, meaning they're being checked to see if they have a fever, their temperature might be taken. But that's not testing to see if they have the coronavirus. I don't know if he misunderstands what he's being told or if he's being misled by his own people. Well, if his past comments are any indication of what's going on right now, the president has consistently misled the American public about the nature and the severity of the coronavirus pandemic. You had Dr. Anthony Fauci, who has been a real truth teller um, during this time on the Hill, telling lawmakers that they have, in fact, failed to implement testing. Um, it's The numbers are something like, you know, 100 people are being tested to see whether or not they actually test positive for the virus uh, a week. Those numbers are abysmal, especially in comparison to places like South Korea and Italy, presumably governments that we would be, you know, acting similarly to that are really outperforming us. You saw lawmakers on the Hill express outrage this Including morning. President Trump's allies. Right. That's exactly right. Um, lots of Republicans just baffled by what the CDC is doing, what the holdup is, saying that there's been a failure to even communicate what the issues are. I think what all of this has really highlighted is that the president views this from a political lens. That means he thinks he can just band-aid and paper over uh, a lot of the necessary remedies. And in fact, there's been an absolute collapse of communication here. Doctors and patients all over the country are telling CNN and other media organizations about all the difficulty they're having getting tested. Uh, and yet this is what President Trump said today when he was asked about an ER doctor in Texas who complained about the bureaucracy, because a lot of times the Department of Health is saying, well, you don't meet these requirements, so you can't get tested. Here's President Trump's response. You're talking about one case. I mean, I could certainly look into it, Jen. It's one case. I've heard also it goes very well. Again, 
It's not one case. It's dozens, if not hundreds of cases that we're hearing about. No, it's not one case at all. We clearly are not doing the scale of testing to even keep up with the number of cases that are coming up in states all across the country. And even uh, if you take a look at just within Washington, the number of elected officials who have had some kind of proximate contact with someone who had coronavirus or may have had coronavirus uh, under the guidelines that exist right now, many of them shouldn't be tested. Even the White House is saying the president who stood next to someone who has tested positive wouldn't be tested because he's not showing symptoms uh, and uh, because the, they don't believe that the contact was sustained enough. Well, I mean, I think across the country, people are feeling like that is just not sufficient and that the testing needs to be far more widespread than that. All right. Thanks to both of you. Appreciate it. And we just found out that Disneyland in California will be closing starting on Saturday due to Concerns about coronavirus. Uh, thank you both. Appreciate it. Coming up next, all of Italy on lockdown because of the coronavirus. And what's happening there could be a warning for the United States. Why? We'll explain. In our world lead now, another drastic step in Italy to address the coronavirus pandemic. The prime minister there has ordered restaurants, bars and shops to close down nationally after a record jump in confirmed cases of coronavirus today. But despite immediately quarantining patients and blocking flights from virus spots, Italy is now facing a crucial hospital shortage. And one official warns the healthcare system is, quote, one step from collapse. As CNN's Melissa Bell reports from Rome, the rush is on to avoid the same dire situation in the United States, where the virus seems to be mirroring the spread of the disease in Italy, though the U.S. is roughly 10 days behind. Italy in crisis as the novel coronavirus aggressively infects the country. The famous tourist-filled streets, now mostly empty. Popular landmarks like the Colosseum in Rome without any visitors. Restaurants and bars shut down as the government slashes flights in and out of the country. More than 15,000 COVID-19 cases, the most outside of China, after a massive jump in just the last day leaving more than a 1,000 people dead from the virus. And the country's normally efficient healthcare system stretched to the limit. When you receive uh, 100 uh, people at the same time, sickest, and all the people needs your job, otherwise they die. This is uh, exactly what we, we have seen. Because they arrive in the hospital with such a consistent distress that you have to, to treat these people in uh, seconds. With not enough beds, equipment and physicians, me and Dr. Storti, we stayed here for four to five days continuously. Now there are reports that some doctors in Italy are being forced to make painful decisions. Doctors are being pushed to the point where they might have to make a choice about which patient gets one of those cars ventilators and which patient is denied that care. Government officials are denying that. The pandemic hit Italy a few days before the U.S., so far, cases in the United States are mirroring the growth in Italy, with no signs that American hospitals are any more prepared than their Italian counterparts. The United States has 2.8 hospital beds per 1,000 people, fewer than Italy's 3.2 beds per 1,000 people, according to the OECD. The former Italian prime minister issuing a stark and haunting warning to America, don't wait for it to get worse. Please don't make the same mistakes of undervaluation of the risk. One of those other mistakes that Matteo Renzi has been talking about these last few days that he is warning America to avoid is one of the early mistakes, Jake, that was made 
by Italy. It was a, a mistake regarding travel bans. You'll remember that long before any other European country did it, Italy decided in January they would ban all flights from China and flights going back to China. Well, the epidemic has reached Italy, of course, uh, on in proportions that the rest of Europe hasn't known. Nonetheless, it simply didn't work. It did not keep the coronavirus out. Uh, this is a country that is even now struggling to deal with these latest cases. This latest piece of news from the country, Jake, just very quickly, all Catholic uh, churches will be closed now until the 3rd of April with worshippers absolved from Sunday masses. Jake. That's incredible for Italy to, to end church services until April. Uh, Melissa Bell, thank you so much. Joining me now is Dr. Craig Spencer. He's an emergency room doctor, director of global health and emergency medicine at Columbia University's Medical Center. Um, uh, doctor, do you look at how bad things are in Italy and think that is where the U.S. is possibly going to be within the next couple of weeks? Yeah, anyone that's hearing the stories out of Italy knows that they're really harrowing. Um, look, we know that here in the United States, we have some of the finest healthcare structures in the world. I'm happy enough to work at one. But we also know here in the U.S., we have a stark inequality in between our best centers and our, you know, less resourced and maybe overburdened centers, largely in rural areas throughout the country. So I think we absolutely need to heed the advice that we're hearing from the Italians as you mentioned, you know, maybe we're 10, 11 days behind. We need to be heeding that advice and we need to be thinking, preparing in advance, because despite how great our hospitals are, uh, many of them are already overburdened and many of them would already cripple under uh, a big influx of, of these patients. What should the states be doing? They should, should they be protect, uh, setting up right now uh, excess hospital rooms? Uh, should we, they be constructing and ordering more ventilators and the other kinds of equipment needed uh, for a possible surge uh, of patients? That's a really great question. And, and hospital systems have already been thinking about that, right? We've been thinking about the number of ventilators. We've been thinking about the number of ICU beds all throughout the country. These are things that we know we're going to need. One of the biggest things that's hampering us is the lack of testing, right? It's hard to know if you're dealing with a coronavirus patient if you can't diagnose someone with coronavirus. We know that somewhere around one and six patients that get coronavirus are going to need admission to the hospital. We've been seeing about one in 20 are going to need some intensive care. And unless we're able to slow the spread, the speed of spread of this disease, um, and, and really slow down the transmission with things like social distancing from preventing the virus from spreading within our communities at conferences and concerts, et cetera, then there's a real possibility that the number of cases will overwhelm the capacity of many of our structures. So we've seen organizations like the NBA and Major League Baseball and NHL and the NCAA take steps to try to stop uh, groups coming together. We've seen uh, Disney say that Disneyland's going to be closed starting Saturday. Uh, but have you seen the kind of dramatic steps that you think are necessary for President Trump and for the governors across the country to take? Are, are leaders doing what needs to be done to prevent us from becoming the next Italy? Look, I said this last night. I got more phone calls from friends and family last night after the NBA announced that they were closing down. And so really the public health messaging from the NBA seems to be stronger and, and more reliable than from some of our politicians right now, unfortunately. Um, I think what we need to do right now, us as individuals, is we need to focus on solidarity over hysteria. We need to focus on preparedness over panic, because if we do that as individuals, as much of what we're doing in the community can have as much or more of an impact than what we're able to do on the front lines in hospital. This disease and this virus does not care about the color of your skin, doesn't care about your passport, and it does not care how big of a bank account you have. At times like this, we're, we're often forced to think inward out of fear and hysteria. 
But I want to challenge everyone to think outward. Think about the most vulnerable people in our communities. Think about the elderly neighbor that we can be doing shopping for. Think about the food bank that we can donate to. Think about the people that we can help who have medical conditions where we can help pick up their prescription medications. Mm -hmm. We need to be preparing now for where we could potentially be in the next two weeks. And if we don't take those actions right now, we are at risk of, of not averting the worst case scenario that we're seeing in many other places in the world. And obviously, when we talk about a patient with coronavirus that needs hospitalization, you're talking about one in six, possibly one in 20 who really need dire treatment. We're talking about serious hospital resources, right? Absolutely. You know, one, um, it's going to take a lot of providers, right? There's a lot of people that are on the front lines. We have nurses, techs, lab um, staff. We all have experience working with things like the flu and other respiratory viruses. We don't have the same experience with something like coronavirus. We have personal protective equipment. We can prepare ourselves, but we need, we need to be thinking more in terms of our resources, our supplies, and how we're going to really cut this off in the community before this spreads. Dr. Craig Spencer, thank you for your time, for your expertise, sir. We thank appreciate you. it. Since we came on the air, there have been several major closures and cancellations across the country. We're going to have more on those right after this. In just this hour since I came on TV, more major cancellations have been made over coronavirus. Disneyland in California will close beginning Saturday. Maryland and Ohio are both ordering schools closed. 35,000 New York City employees will be told to work from home. The NCAA is now canceling its basketball tournaments, men and women. CNN sports correspondent Carolyn Mano joins me now. And Carolyn, just yesterday, the NCAA announced it would ban fans from games. What led to this decision to just end the games? I think there were three things, Jake, that ultimately led to this decision. The first was the news last night that the NBA is going to suspend play indefinitely because one of their players had contracted this virus. We now know that it's multiple players who have this virus, but still, that's an emphasis on player and team safety. Then today, we learned earlier in the afternoon that all of the NCAA's men's conference championship tournaments were completely scrapped. Some players were warming up on the floor when that happened. That was a strong indication that changes could be coming to March Madness. Then lastly, you had first Duke University and then the ACC in its totality issuing a statement saying that they are going to suspend all athletics. So all of those things combined, it was a very difficult decision for the NCAA. I mean, look, $900 million in ad revenue, tens of millions of people watching March Madness. But this was a unanimous decision that was made by the NCAA board, and I don't think they had a choice. And it must be, it must be crushing to some of the players for whom this is really their last uh, opportunity for athletic glory. Yeah, listen, the players of March Madness for some young kids is the dream of all dreams. I mean, we all have the images burned in our brains of cutting down nets and crazy screaming fans. I mean, players live for this. Fans wait all year for this. They circle it on their calendars. And while these players don't necessarily fit into this vulnerable category of people who need care, I mean, a lot of them are young. They have access to world-class medical care. Um, it's still a crushing blow for everybody in sports, but it's, it's setting the tone now that this is going to be brought to a complete standstill, with the exception of some leagues who are toying with the idea of doing things without spectators. Sports is at a halt right now, and it's where we need to be. Everybody's going to take a break and reevaluate things, and now we know that March Madness is no exception to that. All right, Carolyn, thank you so much. Appreciate it. For more on the coronavirus pandemic, tune in to CNN tonight for another global town hall, Facts and Fears. It's at 10 p.m. Eastern tonight with Anderson Cooper and, of course, our own Dr. Sanjay Gupta. And then this Sunday, CNN and Univision will be hosting the Democratic presidential debate with Joe Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders. There will not be an audience. 
I will be moderating the debate live here in Washington, D.C., along with Dana Bash. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern Sunday night. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode. 